last day of the month. And with that being said, I, I committed to preaching on friends, family, and evangelism in November. And uh, today we'll conclude that lesson series uh, with a little bit of family. I hope you've enjoyed the series that we've talked about. And the personal evangelism series has, has been really good for myself because it's pushed me to realize what I need to be doing more of. And I uh, hope it's been encouraging and edifying to you as well. But today I want to look at a deeper subject, if you will. We sing a song every once in a while. We're still learning it, but it's called God's Family, and it starts out and says we're part of the family. And that's what I've titled this lesson today, is Part of the Family. I don't know that I've got a microphone today, so I'll have to, uh, must have been left on or something. But I'll uh, uh, stay close to the podium, that way you can still hear me. Okay. Jesus, when he was meeting with his disciples and, and his apostles, at some point in time, they came to him and they, they told him, I believe it came on now, so we're in good shape. But they came to him and they said to him, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50, while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the ones who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I saved this lesson to this week for a lot of purposes. One of those purposes being that, that we did spend Thanksgiving week with our families and our friends. Now for the first time, uh, I think ever, uh, our family did something a little different. We, as most of you know, we did a little traveling. My dad went with us. But I'm going to tell you, we spent Thanksgiving with our good friend and brethren, uh, Tommy Bolin, his wife Summer, and the two boys. And I think it was one of the best Thanksgivings I've ever had. And I want you to think about that as we talk about this morning. But if you'll look around this morning in the, in the sanctuary here, in the auditorium here, and you see that a lot of family members are sitting with each other. There's a reason for that. We know that we all love our families. We know that, you know, the old saying I mentioned a couple weeks ago, blood is thicker than water. Sometimes I'm, I'm not real sure about that. But we're going to talk about how water can be thicker than blood as well. But when we look around and we see all the earthly families that we have here, and, and you'll see many of them sitting by some, you know, together or beside each other or a row apart or what have you. We even see some that will be sitting on the other side of the building for whatever reason that may be, but that's okay. And if you're visiting with us today and you have family that is here, that, that has invited you, we appreciate you being here with us. But you also know that when you came in, even if it wasn't close family, maybe it was just a friend or, or somewhat, but you might have looked for people you knew. And, and, and we appreciate that. And I thank them, those people that might have invited you, for caring enough about your soul that they have invited you to come here this morning. And we do appreciate you being here. I want to talk about a few points today, though, and one of those points being the bond of family. You know, we're born into our families. There ain't a whole lot we can do to change that, is there? Of course, we know that there are times that, that people are taken from their natural family, and sometimes they're placed in different families, and, and, and we understand that as well. We're going to talk about that just a little bit. But look at the attributes of family. We looked at it a few weeks ago when we talked about family and, and how to be part of a family. We've got mothers, we've got fathers, we've got brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, aunts, uncles, cousins. But the attributes of family... When you start at it, you look at it, we're kin, okay? And we're close. When we look at, you know, our, our own family a lot of times, you know, when I walk down the street in Manchester, Tennessee, 
It's not uncommon for somebody to say, you're eldest son, aren't you? I guess we're about the same size now, and, and my hair is graying like his is. And, and, and Christy told of, uh, uh, you know, a lady that came up to us in a restaurant one day, you know, didn't know her from Adam, Eve, I guess, didn't know her from, from anything, and she walked up and she said, you're Eldie Farrell's son, aren't you? Uh, yes, ma'am, I am. <laughs> yeah. But when we look at the attributes of family, we understand there's a closeness there. There's DNA, there's science that shows that, that we're going to be like each other. We're going to be similar in some fashion. Well, think about the spiritual side of that as well. Even in your own family, your earthly family, we're told in the Bible, rejoice when we rejoice and weep when we weep. How much closer do you, do you get to family when something is, is sad? I mean, when you have a death in your family, how much closer can you be than to your family? I mean, you want somebody to lean on, and who else to lean on but your own family, right? What about when you're happy, when you're rejoicing, when something's exciting? I don't know how many times that I've been excited about something and, and picked up the phone wanting to call somebody, my dad, or, or, you know, sometimes even that emptiness of wanting to send a text message or a phone call to my mom, you know, let them know about how exciting something is. Rejoicing when others in our family rejoice. We know that that's the way we should be. But look at the treatment of family. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Now, that's in the middle of a section there that Paul is doing a little admonishing. He's doing a little bit of exhorting, but he's also going to turn around. He starts out that whole chapter there. Of course, we know it wasn't written in chapter and verse, but, but he starts out that whole chapter telling us to be transformed, be not conformed. In other words, you're a new person, as we talked about in our Bible study this morning. You are something new. You've got a new venture in your life. But he tells us in, in that, that sections of Romans chapter 12, he wants us to edify one another. He wants us to live at peace with one another. You know, the next several verses, verses 12 through 21, he gives a whole discipline there about going to battle with your brothers and sisters. You know, making sure that, that we know what comes first, and that's love. Letting God take care of the vengeance. Letting God take care of the things that aren't right. Paul also says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Of course, Paul there is mentioning a spiritual love, isn't he? It can apply to family love. It can apply to a spiritual love or spiritual family. But I want to look at some of those characteristics as well. I want to talk about the physical or the spiritual family which one's more important? Well, I think they're both important. But I want you to look at some of the, some of the things that, that the Bible gives us so that we can grasp how important family is. I want to think about Acts chapter 10 in a few minutes. I've gone back and done a lot of reading about Cornelius lately. You know, the household of Cornelius. That, that says it all right there. Cornelius was a good man. He was a man that was, was right and just in things that he did on this earth. But he wasn't quite there with God yet. He wasn't quite there. He was a Gentile, if you remember the story. He was the first Gentile that, that became a Christian. And I'm glad he did because it paved the way for what we would think you know, of, of our lives being Gentiles. And, and when, when we look at that and we see that, that Cornelius did what God wanted him to do, but not only did he do that, what did he do? He brought his family. The whole household of Cornelius. 
Now you think about how he put his family above other things. What about Luke chapter 15? We know that's uh, several stories in there, but the prodigal son, the wasteful son, the one that went away, but the father was concerned about his family. Even in the end, when the son came home, the older brother was a little jealous, and we see that. We, 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 it's, it's not a good thing, but we see it. We understand what it means, but, but the father was still concerned about both of his sons, the physical family. What about when, you, when I look at Joshua? Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. I've got this plaque on our wall. This day, choose you whom you will serve. But as for me, and watch this, my family, we shall serve the Lord. You see, Joshua was telling these, folk, these folks here in the Old Testament, I, that's my personal study right now, it's the book of Joshua, but, but he's telling these people, you know, you choose who you're going to serve, you can choose these false gods if you want, but for me, and he puts it in importance, and my household, we will serve the Lord. In other words, Joshua was speaking for his family, and that's okay. He had a right to. He was the father of that family. Well, let's talk about the spiritual family just a little bit. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You see, Peter, when he talks about this, he says his own special people. Have you ever thought about how special your family is, your physical family? Whether you get along or not. I mean, there's times when, when, when you can really be at odds with each other. And, and, and it's understandable. I mean, you know, the more, the more you like each other, the more you're going to argue and fight. I mean, that's just all there is to it. I mean, you look back and you see, you know, Joseph. What happened to Joseph? You know, his brother sold him off. What happened to Esau and Jacob? You know, they, they had a little battle there. I mean, you look at these things, and of course you go all the way back to Cain and Abel, and we know what happened there. But you have these things that will, that will bring you apart, but look how special that family is to you. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you who are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. You see, when we become a Christian, we become family. We're the family of God. Sometimes these things overlap when you think about it. We call one another in the spiritual family brother or sister a lot of times, don't we? We should, because that's who we are. We are brothers and sisters through that adoption, through that, through that family, that, that becoming one another uh, in, in family means. Sometimes it overlaps in son and daughter. You know, the Bible talks about son and daughter many times, and it may not necessarily be talking about a physical son or daughter. You know, I think about Paul. He said that, that Timothy was his son. Was he his son? Uh, okay. Um, was it his son in the faith, or was it his son in physical? Sorry, the, the door just opened on its own, so y'all welcome our new visitor that came in. But, uh, but, the, uh, but was it a son in the faith or a son in the physical? But it was a son in the faith. But sometimes these things overlap. You know, the Bible talks about the daughters of, of God and sons of men. And, you know, many times we talk about this family atmosphere. And the Bible, the Holy Spirit chose to use the Bible to, to talk about these things. To get them in an importance for us to see the picture, if you will. And I think that that's very important 
Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family. It doesn't just say Moses and Abraham. It doesn't just say in heaven. It says in heaven and in earth. You see, we've got family here and we've got family there as long as we're abiding in him. The word brother or brethren, if you want to put it in that tense, is used some 319 times in the New Testament. Sisters are only used 22 times, but it's grouped a lot of times in that brethren as well. Hebrews 2 verse 11 says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. <laughs> the Hebrew writer's got it right there, isn't it? I'm not ashamed to call you my brothers and sisters. Now, sometimes we may bring shame and reproach upon ourselves, and in essence, we bring shame and reproach upon our family, don't we? We bring it upon our brethren. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 2, Paul tells Timothy, he's talking there, he said, the older women as mothers, the younger women as sisters with all purity. You see, that steps apart. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because, it's not funny, but I mean, when I baptized Abigail, she became my sister as well as my daughter. She became my sister in Christ. You know, it's, it's very neat how the Bible focuses on family, isn't it? Peter said, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. First Peter 2 and 17. You know, he, he's got those in an order there. <laughs> Did you catch that? Honor all people, but love the brotherhood. He starts it out there. Fear God. Now, I'm not saying you put, you put people before God. I'm saying that aspect of love the brotherhood means we're all one family. And you know what? If we're going to fear God, I think we've got to love our brotherhood. I don't think we can get around it. Luke chapter 11, verses 27, 28. And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Now watch this. Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But he said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. You see, Jesus puts aside his physical family part. Talking about Mary there, obviously. Mary nursed him. Mary was the womb that he was born from. Yet he set her aside because now we're all part of the family. We're all part of the family if we're in Christ. You know, everyone is not in a particular family. That's my third point today. Those that are not are outside. You know, when we have a family reunion, when Christie's family has a family reunion, it's the Scott family. I don't really expect to see Brother J.C. at the Scott family reunion unless he can show us how he's related. There's some good food there, J.C., but I'm sorry, it's not, it's not your reunion. It's the Scott reunion. But those are, that are not are outside of the family. You know, when you look at that in a spiritual realm, we're going to have a reunion I'm getting ahead of myself there, but we're going to have a reunion one day in the spiritual realm. And it's going to be a reunion of family. Those that are not in it are going to be outside. Like I said, we spent Thanksgiving with Tommy and Summer and their boys, their boys, her boys. Depends on how much trouble they were in, I guess. They beat up Abigail a little bit. She beat them up a little bit. But <laughs> Bradley and Tyler, we spent the, uh, spent the, the Thanksgiving holiday with them. And, and it was beautiful because it was family. That's what it was. It was family. We didn't have to, uh, you know, introduce ourselves. We didn't have to do anything like that. We just drove up to their house. We got out, and we went inside and, and laid out on our couch. You know, we made ourselves at home. And that's the way family should be. 
3 John verse 10 says, Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. You see, there are people who are not in our family. And it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. Family requires, to be part of a family requires one of three things in essence. It requires either marriage, birth, or adoption. I'm not real sure there's any other way you can get into a family besides those three things. Now, I, I, if somebody can figure that out, let me know. <laughs> we go all the way back to, to, to the first of the Bible, though. We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord God calls a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman. And he brought her to the man. You know, I've been told that word means out of man. Whoa, man. Out of man. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. One flesh. Genesis chapter 2, 21 through 24. There's the marriage part. That's easy to see, isn't it? Very easy to see. But then we turn around and we hear that man was born of woman. You know, we talked about uh, a few weeks back that, that Jesus, he, he said that John was the greatest man born of woman. We know that John was born of a woman. He was birthed. So he had to be born, right? But what about being adopted? Do you become part of a family when you're adopted? I, I think so. I think about Abraham and Lot. You know, Lot's father died. That was Abraham's brother. And, and many times we, we kind of skip over that part. But you know what Abraham did for Lot? He adopted him. Now, I don't know if they went some through some legal proceeding or what have you, but he adopted Lot and he took care of Lot. He brought him into, guess what? His family. And that's pretty easy to see. And we can see other instances of that in the Bible. And we know that, that in our own lives, we, we know many people that, that have adopted children. And, and it's good. It's good. But what about being part of God's family? That also requires a marriage, a birth, and an adoption, really. I had or in my notes, but it's really an and. You think about marriage in Ephesians 5 and, and around verse 25, the church and the bride. You know, Paul says there that, that husbands are are to be to the wives just like Christ is to the church, that marriage, that bond. So when you got comparison there, when I look at Adam and Eve and they were married, the two shall become one flesh, then guess what? We become one flesh with the church because Jesus Christ, the church is his bride. We become one flesh with him. So what about that birth? Nicodemus, you know, talked about that. He said, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John 3, verses 3 through 5. Now, I don't know how you can look at those verses and see that it does not require birth. <laughs> And what about that adoption? 1 John 3 verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, 
And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Ephesians 1 verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You see, we're chosen in that family. God adopted us when we decided to become a Christian. Isn't that something? Jesus is called the high priest of the family of God in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 21. Being together as a family is very important. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Ephesians 4, verse 16. Ephesians chapter 2 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Verse 19, chapter 2. Now I, want, I want to emphasize that right there, the letter in Ephesians. I've used two quotes from there to talk about the family. Well, you know what? When you start out in Ephesians chapter 1, and this is where many people get confused now because a lot of, a lot of times the denominational world want to use Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 uh, talking about grace being the only thing that saves us. Well, you know what? That's, that's, that's good. Grace is required, obviously. Grace is given by God. But if you look at the first part of Ephesians, you're going to see something. Wake up, world. These are already Christians. These are already the family of God. And Paul's telling them, now don't be strangers. You're not strangers and foreigners. You're now a family. You're now a family. When you think about that, and, and I want you to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 18. It's, it's neat that we're getting to there in the next week or so in our Bible study on Sunday morning. If you're not joining us for Bible study, please consider doing so. Because you can edify each other by being here, but you can certainly learn from being here. I learn more from, from the comments than I can from studying for hours from our own family. But in, Rome, in Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17, or maybe even 18, it says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which we shall which shall be revealed in us. You see, when God adopts us, we are joint heirs with Christ. We become part of the family. We have to make that decision. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? First Peter 4 and verse 17. You see, those are the people that are outside the family. And if judgment's going to come on us, guess what? It's also going to come on those that are outside the family. <coughs> First Timothy 2 and 3 and 4, Paul says to Timothy, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, when you think about being part of the family, it's not hard to see that the Bible is clear on it. God wants us to be part of his family. I want to tell you a shared story. It's worked on my heart for several weeks now. 
Brother B.J. Clark gave this uh, presentation. He's the director at Memphis School of Preaching. But he gave this uh, presentation several years back in, in one of the uh, Christian colleges around Nashville. True story in Nashville. There were some young men playing in the halls. Now, I don't know about what year it was. don't know which college it is. But, I mean, you can kind of guess. There's a couple down that way. <clears throat> some of you are old enough, like I am, to remember the old green Coca-Cola bottles. The ones that were very thick glass that you can hold up and see the moon, it seemed like. <clears throat> they were very thick glass. And those bottles would not instantly break if you dropped them to the ground sometimes because they were so thick. Sometimes they would. Sometimes they wouldn't. Well, these boys were, were being a little bit mischievous, and <clears throat> they went, uh, went out in the hallway of this Christian college, and they were skipping these bottles, you know, just tossing them down the hallway. You know, they skipped down the hall. Well, this one boy takes one, and he lunges it, and it goes, and it hops. And instead of staying low to the ground like they had hoped, guess what it did? It raised up. It went airborne, and it hit another child in the head. A child was rushed to the hospital. They contained the bleeding. They, they got the bleeding stopped. But later on that evening, that child died. I say child, I, you know, 19, 20 maybe. That child died. Now, that young man didn't mean to do that. He didn't mean to hurt his friend. But he did. A few years later, the parents of the young man that died wanted to meet the boy that threw the bottle. Now you can imagine how that meeting would be or how we would think it would be, right? The boy was really concerned. He was really scared about meeting him, honestly. He was thinking, man, they're just really, really, really going to hate me. Well, this couple met him. I, I think he was in a, a you know, he, he, he had to serve time over this. I think he may have still been in a correctional facility, according to the story. Parents came to meet him, and they sat down with him face to face. He wouldn't hold his head up high because he was afraid of what was going to be said next. But the parents held their hands together. This was their only son, and he'd been killed by this young man sitting across from him. And they looked at him, and they said, Do you know why we're here? And he said, well, I can imagine, you know, that he hadn't seen them since it happened. I can imagine why you're here. And they said, well, it's our understanding that when you decided to go to a Christian college and you decided to give your life to Christ in baptism and become a member of the church, that your parents disowned you. Is that correct? And he hung his head a little bit and said, yes, that's correct. And they said, we would like to adopt you. Now let that sink in. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, God, even though we killed Christ, God has adopted us. And he's told us, become part of my family. Today, if you've not become a Christian, if you've not put on Christ in baptism, if you've not been washed in the blood of the Lamb, this is your opportunity. This is your time to become part of the family. But more importantly, we know sometimes that families can distantly grow apart 
And when we sin, we do that. We grow apart from God. There's an opportunity for us to come back home and say, God, I'm sorry. Just like the prodigal son. He came back home expecting to be fed like the servants. But his father opened up his arms. And he said, come be with my family. And today God says the same thing. And the invitation that is offered, he says, come and be part of my family. If you have a need today, if you've not become a Christian, why don't you come forward as a fantasy? Oh, okay, and, uh...